Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Haskin, and I am back with another album review. This one is one that came to me a little bit more recently in my life. I just saw this movie, what, it was probably last year. I know it since I've been in this apartment. I've been here for two years now, um, but I think it was last year that I saw this movie. It's called Sucker Punch. Yes, I am way behind the trends, guys, when we talk about pop culture and all that. Um, if it happened within the last five years, I probably don't even know it exists. But I did really enjoy this movie. It is an incredibly done movie. It really messes with your head. Uh, I thought it was a very creative approach to storytelling and just kind of the, the idea of getting into the heads of the people in the story. Very, very well done. Um, did not see the ending coming. And that's all I'll say about that. I, it was quite a surprise for me. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fantastic movie. And what gripped me even more than that was the soundtrack. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. First, since I know that this episode is going to air fairly soon, uh, I'll just give you guys a quick update on what is going on with me. The new album, Songs from the Circuit Board, is coming along very nicely. Uh, this is a really experimental thing that I'm doing on this one. There are eight songs, but we're going to get three versions of each song on this album. So there's going to be 24 tracks. The first is the standard 8-bit chiptune version mono mix that you would hear through your computer speakers. The second version is going to be a fully produced stereo mix of those 8-bit sounds. So, you know, had audio been really good in the 90s in computers, you know, beyond the Sound Blaster cars, actually to have like full on studio capability production, that is what you'll get in the full mix version. The third set of the eight songs is actually a reimagined version of what I would have composed for these scenes in these video games had there been uh, just full sound available. Like if I were scoring this today based on the scene I have in my head, then uh, this is what I would have done. So I was originally going to do the uh, the same song as the 8-bit version with just better sounds. But what I realized in the first song, uh, as I was trying to do that, just find like better sounds to replace the chiptune sounds with, was that I wouldn't write it this way. I just wouldn't. I mean, when you had the restrictions of what was available on a, a chiptune piece of music, uh, the restrictions were incredibly heavy. Very minimal effects, very little control over those effects. Um, only so much that you could do. But scoring it today, obviously, there's a vast array of things I could do. So I would score it completely differently. So what I've done instead of the original plan is just said, okay, if I were given this game, how would I score it now? And just score it that way with uh, very little based off the original idea that I had for the chiptune version. So it's totally crazy, totally experimental. I don't think anything has been done like this before. And uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy it. So that I hope to have out in June. I've got the first, uh, well, all the 8-bit and the uh, full stereo versions are done. I just have to mix them. But I'm now working through the uh, the modern version of them. I've got three out of the eight songs done already. And they're, they're going pretty quickly. So uh, hopefully I'll have the album done by the end of April. And then I can start working on the mixes through May and get it released sometime in June. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, in June, I'm also headed back to the NAM show. First time in two and a half years for all of us. And I'm very excited about that. I'm very curious to see how many vendors are going to be there because so many of the vendors are from all over the world. You know, I know one of my 
friends in Germany, they're not going to be there. One of my friends in Spain is not going to be there. A lot of people come from China and Japan. So I don't know, you know, how full the show is going to be. Normally, it takes up every floor of the Anaheim Convention Center, uh, pretty much every square foot that you could put a booth, there is a booth. So uh, going to be very interesting to see not only how many booths are there, but how many people attend as well. So uh, exciting times coming. Unfortunately, some of the people that I wanted to meet uh, are not going to be there as well. Like I met Glenn Hughes there two and a half years ago. Uh, he will actually be in the UK doing a tour with the Dead Daisy. So I won't get to meet him again. Um, I don't think Steve Morse is going to be there this year. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll run into David Crosby again. Um, you never know. But it's it's an exciting show. Most importantly is obviously the networking and seeing all the new gear, uh, talking to vendors, building relationships. Uh, talking about products and things like that. That is the most important part. But there's also that family reunion side that, um, you know, those people that you only see at the NAMM show. And for me, there's so many of them. Um, it's it's really a, a kind of welcome home thing. And of course, uh, seeing my dear friends at Audionamics will be great. Speaking of Audionamics, uh, as I have mentioned on this show and my Uriah Heat podcast many times, I will not do a podcast without Instant Dialogue Cleaner. It is the greatest tool in my toolbox for audio. Uh, I have a lot of great tools, but this is the one that honestly, guys, when I first started this podcast, I spent hours and hours and hours cleaning all the little bits of audio. And now I have much better signal processing, but uh, the this dial, simple dial is all it is that I use. There's a couple other dials that it has or, or you know things on it, but I really only use the one main dial and it's an amazingly complicated algorithm but it takes out almost all of the background noise. I live right next to the airport in an apartment that has kids playing outside my window, dogs barking. And as far as I know, none of that has ever made it onto the podcast. And that is all thanks to Audionamics and their instant dialogue cleaner, uh, my favorite product by far. So hopefully I'll be able to see them as well. And um, let's see what else. So I am also finishing up my third and final book, for the What Happened in Vegas series. I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to finish it after COVID started. Uh, but having uh, gone back on my walks again, I go a little later at night. So there's less people, but they're maybe a little bit more effective, maybe a little more interesting at uh, you know 10.30 p.m. than they are at 6 p.m., <laughs> very likely. So uh, I have actually gotten more than enough quotes for the book. I've already uh, had all the pictures done a while ago. So now I'm just in the process of assembling it, spell checking it, uh, and, and all that good stuff. So that um, I'm hoping will be out in, in uh, May or June as well. It just depends, you know, kind of going back and forth between the book and the album. And then my book trilogy, book two, is now being edited. So I'm going to have that to work with here pretty soon. So lots of projects going on, lots of good things coming out soon. It's going to be a very busy summer for Scott Haskin Music LLC, that's for sure. Um, so that being said, let's talk about this wonderful album. So this is a soundtrack that kind of reimagined some songs. There's only a few songs that I actually knew uh, prior to this soundtrack. Uh, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This is the very first song. Of course, I've known that song for many, many years by the Eurythmics. They do a very interesting reimagined version of this song, um, and it's sung by Emily Browning, who's the lead actress in the movie. Um, you know, I first saw Emily Browning in a movie called The Uninvited, which was another movie I was just absolutely blown away by. I thought it was fantastic. I thought she was amazing. And um, then I saw another movie with her that I can't think of the name of. And uh, after I saw that one, I'm like, you know what? I want to see what else she has out there. And I saw she was in Sucker Punch. I had heard so much about this movie, but I'd never seen it. 
And so I rented Sucker Punch and I was like, oh, wow. Okay, this is a really, really good movie. And then I saw it was on Netflix and I thought I should have just checked Netflix before I rented it. But whatever, $4, no big deal. Great movie. Came out in 2011. Soundtrack, of course, followed the movie. And I'm really glad they put the soundtrack out because the movie has such good music in it. It really deserved to be released. Now, of course, when you're doing covers, there's all kinds of logistical errors or issues and clearances you have to get. And then, you know, royalties you have to pay out for the intellectual property rights of the writers, even if you're doing your own versions. So, um, you know, there's probably a lot that was involved on the legal side of getting this release done, but I'm glad they pushed through and did it. It's a fantastic soundtrack. So uh, for those of you that know the song Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, this will be pretty easy to catch how different it is. And for those who don't, here's a really cool version of a song you're not familiar with. such a a huge and and gothic sounding version of this song. I mean, with the church organ, the choral section, everything is just big and it gets pretty intense uh, as the song goes on. Very beautiful version. I really love Emily Browning's voice as a singer on this kind of music. I think it's fantastic. It works really well. I like that sort of almost disconnected breathiness that you hear in her voice in parts of this. And it really fits what's going on in the movie. So for those of you, I think the two or three other people who haven't seen this movie, um, it's sort of, um, I don't really know how to explain it. Basically, they're all in this house of ill repute back in the old days, like probably around the 40s or 50s. And uh, it really has a vintage look and feel to it. But they're kind of, you know, they're all basically slaves in this sex house and they have to perform for these guys. And they decide that they've had enough and they're going to break away. And every time that they try to do something to further that escape, they have some crazy mission that they have to accomplish to to complete the task. And they go into these uh, fantasy scenes while they're accomplishing the task. You don't actually see their characters doing whatever it is, like getting the map of the facility or getting the key. Um, you see them go into these crazy, you know, battle sequences and things that they're kind of living out as a fantasy of what they're actually having to do. And they're very dangerous, um, you know, for these girls. So it's a really intense time, every one of these songs. And even though the songs necessarily don't have that tension to them, it's almost like a counterpoint to the tension. 
especially a song like this, which, you know, doesn't get intense until later, you know, things are already shaking and going on while it's this slower, drawn out, you know, gothic sounding song, really, really beautifully done. And uh, I, I really, really appreciate what the filmmakers were doing in this film and doing these songs. But the version of this song, uh, which is very similar to the other songs that I'm familiar with, completely reimagined. I mean, yes, the lyrics are there. You can sense some of the music from the original song, but for the most part, it's a completely new version of you know all of the songs, but very beautifully done. Uh, this is one of the three. Originally, I didn't get the soundtrack. I just got the three songs that I really liked, and then I listened to them. I couldn't get enough. And then at one point, I'm like, you know what? I might as well just get the whole soundtrack. I'm going to review it anyway. So I need to get to know the rest of the songs. And I was so glad I did because the whole soundtrack's really good. I just wasn't familiar with the other songs that they're they're covering. So this was um, this was a beautiful version. I, I really love it. I'm really glad that they did it. Uh, the second song is one I'm not familiar with. It is called Army of Me. And this is by Bjork featuring Skunk and Nanzi. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, I wouldn't know if I wasn't, but uh, I'm not familiar with that. I'm pretty sure that all her life, Bjork dreamed of singing with Skunk. Um, so I'm glad that worked out. But here is Army of Me, and this one is labeled as a Sucker Punch remix. Yeah, this is another really cool song. That uh, that last synth pattern kind of reminds me of a song I wrote years ago for my comedy album on the air called The Glow from Blue Head, which was based on this uh, Easter Island head lamp that I got at Spencer's and actually is the logo for this podcast. Uh, I, I took the uh, cover from, from that album since I pulled it from the market and I'm going to have to redo it somehow someday. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that pattern is is kind of similar to the pattern on that song. But this is really cool. This is kind of a a song that I would think Nine Inch Nails would have done. It has that industrial feel to it. Uh, really powerful. Towards the ends, the drums just get really huge and that snare just cracks right through everything. Uh, Bjork's vocals on this are fantastic. It's a crazy song. You know, there's a lot of different things that happen in it. A lot of just little things that pop in and out. And I think that's one of the things that's cool is it doesn't get a chance to get stale or repetitive because there's just like, you know, they just throw pop rocks on everything. And I think that's actually really cool for a song like this. Um, you you could tend to get lost in the pattern of it and just kind of drift away and forget you're even listening to a song. But having all those little things just kind of keeps you awake and, and focused on what's going on in the song. So it's a very cool piece. It's nice to hear Bjork's voice. Uh, I've always thought she was a great singer. I haven't always 
like I'm not a huge fan necessarily of her music. I've never really gotten into it. I think she's very talented, but it's just not anything where I've been like, you know, I really want to listen to this kind of stuff. It's just not my style. I'll have to give her another chance one of these days, though, because, you know, taste change. Sometimes things that you don't like at one point, you'll love at another point. So I'll have to give her another chance um, because I think she is a very talented artist. But I was never a huge you know, like industrial music type person. Um, I never got into Nine Inch Nails. I know a couple of their songs, but that's really about it. So uh, good song. I'm really glad they included it on the soundtrack. I think it fit very well. I can't remember what the scene was that this played with, but um, I remember thinking that it it fit. I just don't recall which one it was because there's all these different uh, sequences in the movie. So um, yeah, good song. Good song. Our next one is one that I'm very familiar with. I uh, I love the original still um, from it would have been Jefferson Airplane at the time. And they went on to turn into Jefferson Starship in the 80s and did all kinds of songs like We Built This City and uh, stuff like that. But this one is uh, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane and sung by Emiliana Torini. Well, at least that's who's credited to it. I don't know if they actually sang it or if they're the ones that did the version of it, I should say. Uh, but that's who's credited. And so I don't know if it's Emily Browning singing or not. I thought it was because I thought the voice sounded really familiar or really similar to Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. So I don't know. In the credits, um, it doesn't say. So let's hear a little bit of White Rabbit. Beautiful version, by the way. You know, it's such a unique song because not that many songs are led by a bass riff. And this one is. And I thought that it was great that they kept true to that. They didn't try to change that really, um, except for where they changed the song, you know, to make it fit. But it's it's great. I thought I would have thought that the bass was a little loud in volume compared to her voice, but it fits in actually really nicely, surprisingly, because it shouldn't really work at that level. But for some reason, it does. Um, probably because of the frequency difference. If it was somebody with a bassier voice, maybe it wouldn't have worked as well. But it's a great version. It's so powerful. And the the power in the vocal is especially incredible, you know, especially when it gets to the last section of words in the song. Um, but musically, it's it's there. It has that, you know, 60s organ sound at the beginning, and yet it has a modern industrial sound to it at the same time. 
um, a little bit of psychedelic mixed with a little bit of modern. It's a really interesting combination of things. And I think they did a great job with the song. It's another one that I've listened to over and over again because it's just so cool. And it's one of those songs that you can just get lost in because it just, it takes you on a journey, this one. It's not, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, chorus, repeat, chorus kind of thing. It just takes you on a journey and it goes where it goes and you just should hang on for the ride because it is worth listening to every note of this song. Fantastic version. Um, Our next one up is a combination of songs by Queen. I want it all and we will rock you. It is a mashup and it says Queen with Armageddon, a.k.a. Getty is who has the uh, title or the credit on it. Um, If your name is Armageddon, I don't really think you need an also known as, but that's just me. Um, maybe they started out as Getty first or they were concerned about being mixed up with Getty Lee. I don't know. But in any case, it is a really powerful song. Let's check out a little bit of that. So despite my praise for this album, this is a song I don't particularly care for. Um, I get the metaphor of it. I get the, you know, where they're going with it. But I really just hate songs where everything's got to be about I've got it all. I've got I want and I want more. I've got all this money. I've got all the women. I've got this. I've got that. I'm such a badass. Blah, blah. It's been done so many times. It's so much more cliche than just writing a standard love song using words that we heard in love songs in the 60s to me. So for that reason, I'm going to say it's it's not a song that I particularly care for. I don't usually listen to it. Um, I do think the music is cool, though. I like the way that they integrated Queen. I think it was a little overdone. Um, but I thought like the synth part was cool. I like the feeling of the song musically. Uh, but the words just, you know, they just kill it. But when it's, a, you know, when you're talking about a film soundtrack, you're also talking about things that need to fit the scene of the movie. And not so much whether you would listen to the song on its own. Most film soundtrack music is not even designed to be heard. It's just designed to be felt to enhance the emotion that the director is triggering you to feel through the film. And, uh, you know, make certain passages interesting and that sort of thing. But for the most part, you hear film music more than you notice or you you sense film music more than you, you hear it, I should say. And I've talked about that before on the show. I think when I covered the Gladiator album, But it is very true. So as a standalone song, you know, just listening to the song as it is, I could say it's honestly not one that, you know, I would I would listen to and I don't. But there are definitely some cool things about it. If that's your kind of song, by all means, listen to it. Um, Nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't really strike me as one that I particularly enjoy. So there is that. Now, our next song is another one I'm not familiar with. It is by a band called The Stooges. 
and it is Seek and Destroy, credited to our dear friend Skunk Anansi. Anansi. I started this one in a little ways into the song because there was a really long intro and basically by the time that I got done playing that, you wouldn't have heard the song at all. So uh, I just bumped it in a little bit so you could check it out. Um, Again, going back to that opening with uh, another 60s keyboard sound kind of really gives it that vintage feel, but then it has the modern feel of like a 90s grunge song, a little bit of distortion in the voice, great female vocal, um, a really powerful song. It's... um, it's kind of punk, but it's kind of industrial. Um, it's, a, it's a cool tune. One, again, that I wasn't as familiar with. It wasn't one of the original three that I bought, but um, one that I was definitely glad that I ended up getting the soundtrack for because I think it's a really cool song. And it's, uh, it's got a good drive to it. It fits the soundtrack very well. Um, I'll have to go back and see what scene it was in. But um, yeah, it, a great song, uh, even on its own, standing away from the rest of the soundtrack. So that brings us to my favorite song, on this one, you know, I don't normally pick favorites, but when I think about how many times I've listened to this and it ended and I just put it back on again because I really wasn't done with it, uh, I'm going to have to give a favorite to this song. And it is a cover of one of my favorite Beatles tunes called Tomorrow Never Knows. This one by Alison Mosshart and Carla Azar. Now, I can say that there have been so many versions of this song that have been done over the years. It's a really interesting psychedelic trip from the Beatles as it was. It's been covered many times. Another one of my favorite versions was by Phil Collins. I believe that was on the Face Value album. It might have been on this one after that, but I'm thinking it was Face Value, uh, the album within the air tonight. But this is a really, really killer version. It goes into some really interesting places. The power of this song is just immense. Let's get into it. Incredible production, um, very much crediting the original version. Like they have a good chunk of the original version in there where you get 
that respect paid, but also it's different enough to be very unique and something that they can call really their own reversion of the song. Um, it has a little bit of that sitar feeling at the beginning. There's lots of that psychedelic feel to it, but the song goes in different directions too. I mean, there's one part where um, they they kind of just go into this really beautiful, like I have a hurricane kind of thing. And it's just really lovely. And then it gets right back into the chaos after that. Uh, great vocal, absolutely great vocal. And it's just a very powerful song. If you're a fan of the song, or even if you don't know the song that well, or you're like, that's eh, okay. Just be open-minded and check out this version because it is kick ass for sure. It was honestly the the one reason I was like, yeah, there's a couple songs I like, but I really want to get this song Tomorrow Never Knows. So that's when I was like, well, if I'm going to get that, I might as well get Sweet Dreams and White Rabbit. Um, those were the three. And then eventually just the whole thing. But this was definitely the song that inspired me to purchase any part of the soundtrack at all. And it's such a great version of it. It really is. And that leads us to our next song called Where Is My Mind? Now, this one is a Pixies cover and it is credited to Yoav featuring Emily Browning. So I'm going to go back and say on White Rabbit that is not Emily Browning singing. It's probably Emiliana Torini. And the reason I say that is because it looks like they're pretty specific about um, crediting Emily where she sings. And since she wasn't credited on that song, uh, as much as that voice sounds similar to hers on Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, I'm going to say that's not her. So uh, great vocal on both, uh, just the same anyway. So let's get into where a, a question a lot of people should be asking themselves way more often than they do. Where is my mind? very modern sounding song and it has a great vocal to it especially when Emily comes in I think she does a great job I really wish that she would release an album I think she's got such a great voice um you know whether I would like the style of it or not would be the question I suppose but uh as a singer I think she's got a lot of talent as much as she does as an actress um it's a cool song though and it gets heavier it, it gets into this whole you know heavy distorted guitar part and and that, but it definitely fits in with the soundtrack, having that gentle, almost nurturing, supportive, you know, I'm I'm here with you, we're gonna figure it out together kind of feel to it. And then like everything else in this movie, it goes through some weird phase and then turns into something completely different. But it's a it's a good song. It definitely has a, a place in the soundtrack. It fits in very well with the more modern sound of some of the songs, but a cool song nonetheless. Definitely one worth checking out. So as we get into our last couple of songs, um, this next one is called Asleep, and this is a cover of The Smiths, and this one is sung by Emily Browning.
This is just an absolutely beautiful song. Um, there's uh, there's emotion in it, but it's almost a disconnected emotion. Again, really going with what her character is like in the movie. Uh, it, it's I think that makes it even more powerful. I mean, if you sang a song like this with you know like like you're on the edge of tears or you're just passionate about you know whatever the emotion is that you're caught up in at the moment that you're performing it, that would be one thing. But I think it's it might even be more impactful to have a disconnection to what you're even saying you want. I don't know. I think that might drive the point home even more so than some like overly emotional delivery of it. But in any way, it's an absolutely beautiful song. Listen to the whole thing. It it gets bigger, I'll say. Um, and the, the ending is just haunting, you know, um, beautiful song, but again, I'll, I'll just double. I really hope that someday Emily records an album and releases it because I think she's got a, such a great voice. You know, there are some actors that are trained as singers and they'll do just bits for their soundtracks. And that's all they ever do. You know, if you think back in the old days, you know, when, when Hollywood was really kind of just getting going and, um, you know, an actor had to be an entertainer, you had to be able to sing and dance. And nowadays it's like, no, I'm an actor oh, and I need to do something to boost my career, so I'm going to release an album. It, it was almost like a, an afterthought, you know, whereas these people prior, they learned all of that stuff and they got very good at it. And um, yeah, it's, it's just a whole different world today. And uh, yeah, I, but I mean, honestly, I hope she does because I think she's got a fantastic voice. Her delivery in this song just shows what a great actor she can be. And yeah, really powerful song. Um, might become my favorite on this album, actually. And that's saying a lot because I absolutely love Tomorrow Never Knows. So that leads us now to our final track on this soundtrack. It is called Love is the Drug. This is a Roxy Music cover. And while I'm familiar with Roxy Music, I don't know this song. And this version is sung by another actress in the film, Carla Gugino and Oscar Isaac. Now, uh, for you guys who are familiar with Carla, or really for those who aren't, I would watch anything that she does. I think she's a fantastic actress. Even if I didn't like the movie, I've always enjoyed her performances. So she's one of those people that, hey, if she's in it, I'll watch it. And when I found out she was in this, I'm like, oh, great, double double bonus, um, because I wanted to see the movie anyway. And so here is some of Love is the Drug. Good evening, gentlemen. We've got a great night in store for you. I see a lot of new faces out there, as well as some familiar ones, so I'm not going to yammer on too long. I want you all to sit back, enjoy the service, the scenery, but most of all, enjoy the show. Hit it. You 
know, I've been trying to think of what song this reminds me of. And I know it's not exactly close, but there's something about the feel of it, the brass, the vocals. Uh, it's a song from the 70s and it's it's right there and I just can't grasp it. So if I think of it, I'll put it in the show notes someday. Uh, but for now, it's a cool song. It definitely feels very different than the rest of the soundtrack. It, it feels out of place, even though we've had some of that 70s feel in there before. There's a cool little accordion part in there that I thought was nice, um, really kind of made me feel like I was in the theater um, you know, one of those old school theaters where maybe one of the shows goes on that these girls were putting on. Um, it's a cool song. I, I like the way that Carla sings in her accent from the movie. And yeah, it it just feels different. It, it's almost like, hey, let's throw that on there, too, as opposed to the rest of the songs, which, although they're very different, um, have some kind of cohesive feeling to it. And this one, it's just kind of an orphan. But it's a good song, just the same. Uh, I think it's a good way to end the album. And I'll have to go back and see if this is one from a performance or if it was an end credit piece. But in either way, it's it's a good song. I just feel it's a little bit different than the rest of what we're hearing. But it's a great soundtrack overall. Um, you know, there's a couple that I'm kind of like, eh, but for the most part, absolutely mind blowing music and great vocal performances, great reimagination on some of these songs. Um, love these versions. And I'll have to Maybe even check out some of the other originals that I don't know. Like, I'd like to hear Asleep by the Smiths. I think that'd be an interesting one to hear. Um, yeah, good one. Definitely a good one. So I hope that you guys like the soundtrack. If you haven't heard it, check out the whole thing, guys. If you if you like these samples that I played for you, it's definitely worth listening to the whole thing or even just those particular songs that you like. Also, check out the movie. But I'm going to warn you, um, it is disturbing subject matter. If you are a little bit sensitive to this sort of topic, which I'll just say is, how did I say it earlier? Like women in a brothel that they can't escape from and they're just kind of doing whatever they have to do. And so there is definitely control issues, um, abusive issues, um, you know, sexual topics. So if, if you're sensitive to that, I would say maybe this isn't a movie that you would want to see necessarily. And I know a lot of people are. So I'll just give you that warning up front. If you're okay with that kind of stuff, as far as watching a film and knowing that this isn't reality, if you don't think it's going to trigger anything uh, for you, then check it out because it is a beautifully done movie. Um, very impressed with everyone's performances. Also, uh, you'll see Jenna Malone, which you might know from The Hunger Games. She was in the last couple of movies. Uh, great, great stuff. Absolutely great. So uh, if you're inclined to that kind of film, check it out. If not, totally understand. But the soundtrack, I think you can still enjoy regardless of the movie itself. I think it stands alone fairly well. And that will do it. Because And mainly that's because it's not an underscore soundtrack. So an underscore soundtrack would be like Gladiator, like other things I've covered, like The Black Hole and stuff like that. This one is really more of a collection of songs that were used to put a soundtrack together for the film. So that's kind of the difference. That's one of the reasons it makes it easier to stand alone if you're not a, you know, I love film soundtracks type person. And not everyone does. A lot of them, like you'll love it in the movie or you'll you'll enjoy the music in the movie. And then when you listen to it on its own, you're like, really, that's, that's what they were doing? Or, yeah, I don't really enjoy it without the film. And that's perfectly understandable. Um, so popular songs always help. Bands, you know, always help and helps with the popularity of, of it, too. So I'm glad they released it. There's some great stuff to listen to. Until the next one, guys, I will be back with another episode. That's probably the most Arnold Schwarzenegger I've sounded on this show. And not even intentionally. See you guys on the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.